0: This is Happiness Solved with America's happiness coach, Sandy Scarlatta.
1: Hello, everyone. Happy New Year. I am so happy you're listening today. I'm Sandy Scarlatta and I have been inspiring others to shift their mindset and choose happiness for over 20 years. As we head into a new year, here's some food for thought. How many times have you gotten excited to make your New Year's resolutions only to abandon them? It's okay, you're not alone. Statistics show that roughly 50% of the population sets New Year's resolutions and yet the majority of those give up within the first 30 to 45 days. In fact, of people who make New Year's resolutions will abandon them during the month of February. I want more than anything for you to succeed in 2023 and have five tips to share with you. One, create a detailed plan on how you're going to ensure that you follow through and take action. Two, get an accountability partner. Three, Attach your emotions to the goals. What I mean by that is how will achieving them make you feel? Four, set up an app to track your goals or set up an alarm on your phone to remind you to take action. And lastly, five, celebrate your wins. This is so important because when you celebrate it and give yourself a pat on the back, what you're doing is you're reinforcing that positive behavior and you're more likely to continue doing it. So thank you so much for listening today, and don't forget to leave a review and follow me on social media at Coach Sandy Scarlatta. Today's episode is amazing, and I am so grateful for you. Enjoy the show. Megan, O'Nan. it is such an honor and a privilege to talk to you today. Oh my gosh, this is so exciting, because you've done some really amazing things. (laughs) Very, very blessed yes yes you have so you have a couple of books that have really caught my attention creating your heaven on earth and courage agreeing to disagree is not enough so i Mm -hmm. want to talk about both of those because the titles right there are like whoa okay I, i need to hear more everybody has a story right i want to hear your story and how you got to this point Where you are today, because you're you're really impacting so many people's lives in so many different ways, with all of your speaking and your books. And what brought you to this point? What was that defining moment where you were like, "I need to share my message with the world."
0: I think for me, it was some this work was something I always pictured, but I was never really sure. Like, oh, this is how I'm going to get there. Just as anything is in life, when you have a dream or a goal, like you always know there's something you want. There's this feeling you want to achieve. Um, right. But that's what you attach yourself to. And I think that's what I did. I knew I wanted to be a writer and speaker. And I knew I was very passionate about, um, you know, just fairness and equality. And, you know, growing up in Mississippi, I saw a lot of divisiveness with race and it always just never settled well with me. So there was just something very important inside of me as a young child that I, I knew I was different and I knew that I had something to say, but I didn't know how it was going to happen or when it was going to happen. So, Mm. um, I grew up in Starkville, Mississippi, which is where Mississippi state university is and went to, went to Mississippi state, I played basketball and softball at Mississippi state and during my college years, and this is kind of one of those transformative moments that you were talking about, I figured out who I was as a, as a, as a gay woman. And at the time, this was 2004, 2005, it wasn't widely accepted. And I was a part of an athletic community and a spiritual group that it definitely was not accepted. And so I, once I was, I was actually outed by my ex-boyfriend, um, once I was outed, um, you know, it was a very traumatic experience. I think that most people would expect being in Mississippi in the early 2000s and, I was just completely put to the side and not supported and unloved by my spiritual community, which was the most important community for me at the time. And it set me on this path of just a completely different path than I ever anticipated. And it was just, it has been absolutely tumultuous in trying to figure out how to love myself, how to not feel shame about who I am. How to get to this place in my life where I feel wholeness now. And so that was really kind of like the catapult that sent me on this road of really trying to like, okay, well, you know, all of these labels, okay, I'm gay, I'm spiritual, I'm this, I'm that, but who am I really? You know, who am I deep, deep down? And I really went on this journey to find it. And so I left Mississippi. I was gone for five or six years. I lived in Florida and then in Colorado. And while I was in Colorado, another one of these really big pivotal moments, I talk about it in the Courage book. No, do I talk about Yeah, I talk about it in the Courage book, but I have another book coming out in January. It's definitely in that one. Um, where I just remember feeling very desperate and alone, just got out of a really bad relationship and just feeling sad. And I went up to the mountains and by a reservoir and I was just feeling, like I said, just very low. I think it was probably one of the lowest points, even lower than after coming out, Mm -hmm. not loving myself at all, abusive relationship that I just gotten out of. And I remember just yelling out to the universe out loud, I just want to be loved the way that I love because I knew there was so much in there. And it wasn't a calling out for a partner. It was a calling out for me to feel that love in return from God, from the world, from my experience, from my journey, everything. And that was another big, huge turning point. And after that, I got a very clear vision that I needed to come back to Mississippi. That was in 2010 to heal from my experience and face it head on. And so. I have been here um with my wife since then and we now have a 4-year-old daughter but it's been like just this journey of finding myself and really loving myself and being um just going on this journey of being very open about myself and trying to find a way to be okay with that and so that's what my newest book is going to actually be about and the courage book is the one that was written while living here and kind of going through all of that that was in 2014. And so every every book, every part of my process has been just for me to love who I am.
1: Thank you so much for sharing that and for being so vulnerable because that's how we learn and that's how people learn from others and I think that a lot of people will be able to relate to your story. I know I do. Um while we have very different circumstances, I felt like there was something wrong with me all Mm -hmm. throughout my childhood and my teen years and early into adulthood. I felt like there was something wrong with me. So I think that we're not alone in that, no matter what brings you to that. Exactly. We can relate because, you know, it's, it's a horrible way to feel. So thank you and, and congratulations with your daughter and your wife. I mean that that's just truly really incredible and and thank you again for sharing it. Um. So now your sec the second book, Courage, Agreeing to Disagree is is not is not enough. Now that makes more sense to me after what you just said. But yeah. before that, let's talk about your book Creating Your Heaven on Earth because, while I'm very spiritual and not so much religious, yeah, I love, you know, the quote in the Bible. That is something to the effect of, you know, and I believe this is our purpose is learning to create your heaven on earth.
0: Mm. And that's,
1: that's why we're here because you can experience heaven on earth. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. So talk about that book because that's, I love the title and I think uh, it'll resonate with a lot of people.
0: Well, it, I actually wrote that one in 2008. I was in my late twenties and I actually wrote it while I was in a bad relationship. It was kind of like, the thing I needed to write for me to start to see myself again. And mm. it got me to a place to leave the relationship. Writing that book was everything that I believed to be true about life and about spirituality, because I'm not religious. I grew up Catholic. I've been around Christianity my entire life until I left Mississippi and then discovered, oh, there's other ways of thinking there's other ways of being in the world and started reading books and you know like really starting to understand okay this is what speaks to my spirit you know right. I've Never felt that... myself growing up religiously
1: yeah but that's all that matters at the end of the day is that yeah. you find something that makes sense to you that's absolutely what's...
0: yeah and so it just you know i didn't once i found that and i was able to acknowledge okay well these are the things that i really think are true about life then i started writing those down and created this book and it You know, it was the very first book that I wrote and, you know, I was naive at the time. I I didn't know how hard it would be to get it published. And it wasn't hard for me to get published. It was just, it was just meant to be. It was one of those special times in my life that just, that book really pulled me forward into the life that I wanted to start creating. And after that book got published in the end of 2008, it was the last time I worked for somebody else. Wow. Congratulations.
1: Cause that's a big, that's a big deal too. It
0: was a scary decision yeah. <laughs> and I was broke for a long time, <laughs> but, but yeah, it's, it's a very simple read and it's just easy principles about life. And you know, I, it, it was, it's a special, it'll always be a special book to me. Of
1: course. Cause yeah. it's your first one. Yeah. And that, that's always incredible. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, so that's really great. Now, Courage, agreeing to disagree is not enough. And I think a lot of us, myself included, we use that. Okay, because it's a good tool, right? When you're when you're in a conflict with someone, right? You're like, yeah. okay, well, we just need to agree to disagree. So now it makes right. sense to me after you told your story. Yeah. So tell the listeners, why is agreeing to disagree not enough? And and what what do you propose alternatively? A alternative way to thinking.
0: Yeah. For me, the reason that came up too, is just that, you know, every time I would come out to someone or whatever around here, and especially in the beginning, when I was, when I was first coming out, it was Megan, I love you, but I don't agree with your lifestyle or your choice or whatever it is. And so it was just this constant hearing of that and then with the political climate hearing people agreeing to disagree and you know just leaving the conversation and not going any deeper and it just to me it it wasn't enough to actually get beyond our differences yeah. and it's it's yeah, sometimes it's okay to do that. But for me, it wasn't okay for me to do that. Like, I want to know why you think the way you do. I want to know why you feel the way you do. And I'm going to ask those questions so I can understand. And that in return, I want people to ask me the same questions. I want to be open and vulnerable about my experience. And I want to open that door for other people to do it. And so I wrote this book, or I wrote that book, For the purposes of trying to heal all of those conversations of just not being seen and not feeling loved and not people not wanting to understand who I was and just labeling me and saying, well, that's who she is. So she's a sinner and she's going to go to hell. And that was the end of it. And for me, it, I wanted to find a way around that. And so this was just the thing that helped me begin that conversation. And it led to a lot of opportunities here in Starkville, in Mississippi, where okay, then I was able to have conversations with priests and preachers, and city councils, and other people to start understanding each other on a different level, rather than just agreeing to disagree on what we think or feel about laws or religion or whatever it may be. And so, my proposal to you know a different way of doing things besides agreeing to disagree is to just. Be open about who you are and put everything out on the table. And what I've learned is that most people, 99.9% of the time will meet you there when you take that first step. It's just a matter of taking that first step. So what is the first step
1: that if, if somebody is very, very, I'm um, closed minded. Right. I, I always go like this cause it's kind of like people have their blinders on like the horses yeah. and they only see, you know, what's in front of them and they, they're right. not open to all of the shades of gray. Yeah. And, and I know for me, I was a very black and white thinker for a very long time and still am to on certain things until I recognize, oh, you're thinking black and white. There's lots of shades of gray. Yeah. Right. So what do you say to someone when they're like, no, um, and I and I noticed in your bio you you mentioned forgiveness and that you you received a note because you did a talk on forgiveness and it was from somebody really important and we'll come back to that. I find a lot of times because I'm a big proponent of forgiveness and I feel like forgiveness is at the root of um, why many people are not living a happy life, right? Because they're holding yeah, on totally. to. So like when the topic of forgiveness and. It, it, top of mind comes, um, I'm thinking about a friend of mine who I was just talking to him about um, one of the, the ways that I am able to s- flip the switch from being unhappy to happy or whatever, you know, when, yeah. when things happen. And part of that is forgiveness. Yeah. Well, why would I forgive anybody? I didn't do anything wrong. Right. And you're like, oh boy, here we go. Right. Because <laughs> <So like, laughs> again, They've got the blinders on, right? And it's right. they're making it about them more so. And it, sometimes it's not always that the case. So what do you say right. to somebody in, in, in a situation like that?
0: Well, I'm, I will say first that I've been in a lot of really tough situations, really tough conversations. Mm-hmm. And a lot I'm of sure. them have been on TV and radio and where I'm supposed to debate with whoever about, you know, gay rights and what's going right. on in the social social climate, equal rights climate, whatever, just throughout the years. I'm less involved in that now than than I have been because I have just have moved on in a lot of ways. But when I was doing that kind of work, you know, there's one specific instance where I remember having a Baptist preacher next to me. We were on TV, was being interviewed, and he was just saying, you know, black and white thinking about what he thinks and what he feels. And when I was asked questions, what I did was, this makes me feel... Hurt. This makes me feel this is my experience. This is what I have been through. And so I just came in, bring, I always bring it back to my experience and my story so that I'm not pointing the finger. I'm not blaming. I'm extending, you know, the opportunity for you to open up and share with me too. And if someone doesn't want to do that, I'm always okay with it because I know I put my heart on the line. And I feel good about that. So at the end of the day, if I know I've done what I need to do for me and my heart, then I'm okay. And it's okay if they don't want to meet me there. I'm totally fine with that. But that's what gets me to a place of acceptance. And most of the time, people do meet you there. Vulnerability begets vulnerability. It just does. It's almost a law of the universe. Because we as human beings respond to that emotion and to that honesty and to that authenticity because it's what we're looking for in ourselves. And I've Mm -hmm. just seen it over and over and over through the years. And so it always takes someone just taking that first risk and putting themselves out there honestly.
1: Yes. And I agree with you a thousand percent. And I was also just thinking that I think a lot of times what has gotten us so divided when it comes to, issues of equality, um, gender identity, you know, all of those things is, is the internet. It's the the phones. It's having this computer in your hand and making assumptions and judgments without having
0: that connection with another person. Yeah, totally. (laughs) It, it just makes it so much harder and it really breaks my heart because, right you know, if you and I were in a room right now and we were live and we are in person, it's such a different experience. I mean, oh. this is great, right? Yeah. You know, we can do this across state lines and even internationally, but if we were having tea and having a conversation, this would be a totally different level. It would be. It would yeah. be.
1: And I experienced that last week I was in Las Vegas attending a conference and I was Recording podcast interviews outside the conference room. Oh, that's awesome. And it was wonderful. That's it was so, so great. wonderful to actually have that and like look in each other's eyes. Cause, like, yeah. even though I'm looking in your eyes, you're, you're, we're not really making eye contact. Right? Yeah, because our cameras <laughs> and the way we're set up. Yeah, and... like... But yeah, and what I thought was really interesting, I was listening to Dr. Phil and um, I, I, I'm kind of neutral on him. I. I've just, you know, I think he's, like anybody, he's got some good qualities, got some not so good qualities. You know, we're all, we're, we're, he's human, just like right, we are, right? right. You Nobody's know, perfect. But I listened to him on Joe Rogan's podcast, and he was talking about how he did a an experiment at, I believe it was at Stanford. And it was the college students, and it was the Democrats and the Republicans. And they were just so like, you know, back and forth. And what he did is he had them stand face to face. And make eye contact and not say a word. Oh, I love doing word, that to people. <laughs> right? right? But that's the thing. And he goes at the end, 100% of them were like, you know what? Because they're seeing the other person as a person, not as a party. Exactly. And they were able to meet in the middle and actually have real conversations that's about issues. And it is amazing. And that's exactly what you're talking about.
0: Yeah. And when I, when I do workshops or, or, you know, I've done, I've spoken a lot at like universities and like fraternities, sororities, those kinds of places. And, um, that's one of the things I always have them do is just face one person in the group and connect just eye contact. That's it for a minute. And it's so difficult, but it brings all of your walls down and it just shifts the energy. And there was also a time where I had like, it was like 200 students we're in this huge ballroom and I had them all face a partner, just like what you were describing. But what I had them do was take a step if they had something in common or whatever it was. So you just do something that's kind of beyond, beyond labels. Like uh, I've lost a parent or I've, you know, oh, yeah. been through a really hard time or, you know, just something life experiences that we all experience and they would take a step forward, take a step forward, take a step forward until eventually they met. And so it just one of those things that just really dissolves that the, you know, any anxiety or lack of connection that we might be feeling because we are all very programmed to distance ourselves from other people. Yeah. And at the end of the day, we're all human Mm -hmm. and we've all
1: experienced pain and the pain, may be different than the pain the other person experienced in terms of, because again, we like to label, oh, well, that was worse than this, or this was worse than yeah. that. But if you're feeling that pain for the very first time, pain is pain. And uh, yeah, I love that. I love, and I've done, I've participated in an exercise like that before as well, where you step forward and it's very, very powerful in a way to actually get everybody to realize that, you know what? We're all human. Yep. We're, we're all human. We all bleed red.
0: Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just the remembering of it. And, you know, I have a four-year-old. I don't know if you have kids or not, but she uh, she reminds me every day of, of who I am because she's so in touch with who she is, you know? So it's, it's just, you know, it's nice to have that experience of, of having a little one around that just keeps reminding me of the truth. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah, I have a 22-year-old who reminded me earlier today. and i had no idea and you know what i love the fact that he felt open enough and comfortable and safe to tell me how he was feeling because i didn't know what i what i was saying was having a a specific effect on him i had no idea i was like i thought i was doing the right thing yeah and and he called me out and and i was like whoa okay it's okay.
0: You gotta love it. I'll have to, I have to tell you this, my, my daughter, so she's four and, you know, it's, she still has a hard time ex- totally expressing herself with words. Right. Yeah, And, and it pains me to watch. And <laughs> she was doing this one day and just like, you know, just shaking out of her body, just couldn't say what she needed to say. Couldn't tell me what she needed to tell me. And so I waited for her to finish and I was like, Merit, her name's Merit you know, what, what can I do for you when, when you're struggling, when you're frustrated, when you're angry, when you just don't know what to tell me? She said, just tell me you love me. And I was like, yeah, exactly. And I said, okay, so let's say I tell you, I love you and you're still struggling and it doesn't really help all that much. Then what do I do? And she said, just tell me you love me again. Oh, And it just was like, so simple, right? Like just, that's all we ever need when we're struggling, right? It's just just for someone to just be there and be present and love us. And love us. Give us a hug.
1: Yeah. Oh, Megan, I love everything you're doing. Tell us about your new book. And um, you said it's going to be out in January. Mm -hmm. So that's good timing for, for this. It may not be succinct, but it'll be good timing for it. So what is it called?
0: And tell us a little bit about it. It is called Held and Free, and it is my memoir. Um, it is the most vulnerable thing I've ever written. Mm. Um, and it's really around the message of the power of storytelling, vulnerable storytelling,
1: mm. and
0: how that impacts your own healing and the healing of others around you and how important it is for us to share ourselves and how it's changed everything about who I am in the last, you know, since moving back to Mississippi and how it's impacted me. So I go into depth, uh, you know, around every stage of my process and my story and how sharing myself vulnerably with others is the thing that really has shifted my perspective of, of myself.
1: Well, and also when you're not sharing your story, you're not able to impact
0: others. Exactly right and, yep. and that's what
1: we really want right if you really want to impact others because you don't know who you don't know who's going to be listening to this today or tomorrow right? right because podcasts are there forever so even 5 years from now somebody could listen to this podcast and you could what by you sharing your story could change their life drastically
0: exactly and that's you know that's what i teach people is um, i work with speakers and okay. i do i do a lot of scripting storytelling stuff And they're always so nervous, not always, but a lot of the time they're so nervous to be vulnerable. And when I say vulnerable, I don't mean like you, you don't have to tell it all, you know, just be honest about your internal experience in a succinct and powerful way. And that's all people really need. They need to connect whatever that emotion is. But, um, the, the power of it isn't just that you'll heal. It's, you know, obviously that you're going to give other people a chance to heal too and open the door to conversations that you wouldn't get to normally have because yeah. then they feel free to share with you because they trust that you understand how they're feeling. Mm, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. We're almost out of time today. What
1: is, is there one other thing that we haven't talked about that you would like to share with the audience
0: before we wrap up? <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, can yeah. We find you?
0: Yeah, my website, it's meganonan.com. You can pretty much find anything you want to find about me. You can also Google me and you'll find a lot of different things there too. But um, yeah, my website hosts all the important things. And yeah, I'll just reiterate our conversation, how important it is to share yourself and allow yourself to be seen and loved and gives yourself the opportunity to do the same for others. So it's a message I need to hear all the time as well. Oh, I love it.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you for impacting so many people's lives. And thank you again for being here today with me. I really appreciate it. And I'm so grateful for you and I'm grateful to all the listeners as well.
0: Likewise. Thank you.
1: I certainly hope that you enjoyed today's interview. Thank you so much for joining me. And as always, I hope that you and your family are healthy and safe and that your lives are filled with peace, joy, and happiness. Take care, everyone.